0: I'm going to invite you today to turn in your Bibles to the book of Philemon. The book of Philemon. We began a series last week titled Changed, Changed, and it's based in the book of Philemon. And so today we're going to be reading some more from this short book. Uh, it's, it's short enough that it's, it is not divided into chapters, it's just verses. This week, I went online and I started searching for some information about the history of the U.S. Postal Service. Uh, Initially, it was uh, originally called the U.S. uh, Postal Department. Uh, So I learned a few things, some interesting things, but probably the most interesting thing that I learned uh, about the U.S. Postal Service was that in 1913, they began to accept for the first time Parcel post. Parcel post. Something bigger than just a letter. And so that started January 1st, 1913. And that same month, one couple from Ohio took advantage of this new parcel uh, service to make a very special delivery. They mailed their infant son. Yes, a baby. This couple paid 15 cents for stamps, for his stamps, and an unknown amount to insure him for $50. That's how much he was worth to them at the time. And then they handed him over to the mailman. And the mailman dropped him off at his grandmother's house, which is about a mile away. So it wasn't that far. But still, that's kind of odd, right? Uh, regulations about what you could and couldn't send when this was first started. What you could and couldn't send through the mail. Where those regulations were vague. And... Um, Other than it had to be over four pounds, I believe that was, uh, you know, the only regulation. So people started taking advantage of this. I read that they began to mail eggs, bricks, snakes, and other unusual packages. Now, you can probably ship snakes today, but I'm sure there's some real strict guidelines about how to do that. So they did all this, and then people thought, well, are we allowed to mail our children? Well technically there was no regulation against it so people began to do that and uh, there was another case in which a girl named May Pierstorf was sent by her parents to her grandparents house 73 miles away they put stamps on on her or her clothes you know they on her jacket 53 cents were the stamps that they put on her on her coat she was Almost six years old. She was almost six years old. They put stamps on her coat and they mailed her, shipped her off. Uh, now the postal worker who took her by railway was actually a friend of the family, so that's usually how it worked. You know, somebody they trusted. But still, it's weird. You know, it's 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 odd. Uh, so, you know, they they did that. Well, when the postmaster general heard about this, and and there were other things like this happening, like. Somebody mailed him and said, how am I supposed to ship my infant, you know, my, my baby? You know, what are the regulations? He was like, uh, no. You... So stuff like that happened. and he heard about this instance. Then he officially banned postal workers from accepting humans as mail. It was official. But apparently there were rogue local postmasters that either they were rogue, or they hadn't gotten the news yet and they kept doing it. It didn't stop right away. A year after this, a woman mailed her six-year-old daughter from her home in Florida to her father's home in Virginia, a total of 720 miles. And it just cost her 15 cents in stamps, so it was a great deal, great deal. Now, I'm mentioning all these things because we're talking about a letter that Paul sent to a man named Philemon, and he sent another letter also to the Colossians, the Colossian church, and he sent it through a man named Onesimus. So he didn't ship Onesimus. He just said, here, take these two letters uh, and give them to uh, Philemon. And uh, this um, letter that he sent, uh, that Paul sent to Philemon, was really a personal appeal. It was a personal appeal to Philemon. And just a little background that I gave you this background last week. But uh, Philemon was uh, wealthy Christian, and he was a slave owner. I I explained the whole background last week uh, about slaves and and, uh, how that worked. But uh, Philemon lived in... uh, first of all, he he was a slave owner. He had been saved under Paul's ministry. Secondly, he lived in a town named Colossae. And thirdly, the Colossian church met in his house. So he was some kind of spiritual leader uh, there. And so Uh, Paul wrote two letters. He wrote one directly to Philemon, and then he wrote a second letter to the church that met in his house, the Colossian church. And this is what we now call the book of Colossians. And so he sent those two letters with Onesimus. So Onesimus had delivered those letters. Now Onesimus was or had been one of Philemon's slaves, but he... He wronged Philemon. He, he either uh, stole from him or he broke something, damaged his property. So he ran away, which was a serious charge. He ran away and he, he went to Rome from uh, Colossae to Rome. And there he met Paul. Paul was in prison in Rome at the time, but he met him. Paul led him to the Lord. He led him to Christ. And so now Paul writes to the church in Colossae and included this letter to Philemon on behalf of Onesimus. And so uh, Onesimus and another man named Tychicus both delivered this letter. Now, the le- in the letter, as we talked about last week, uh, he, Paul was telling Philemon, he was appealing to him to receive Onesimus. Even though he, he was a runaway slave, and Philemon had every right to, to have him uh, either... Um, Certainly, he, the, the least he could have done is he would have been uh, he, he would have been beaten up uh, within an inch of his life, as they say. He could have been branded with a letter F for fugitive, and he could have been killed. And the reason this this was uh, so serious that these slaves would run away is because they thought if we treat them lightly, then we'll have a revolt of slaves. They were approximately... Uh, I read uh, one source that said there were approximately 16 million slaves in Rome at that time and if they begin to revolt, then uh, you know if they begin to turn against their masters and we have this revolution and we can't have that. so they were very, very harsh uh, with runaway slaves so so today we're going to continue uh, talking about this letter and and what Paul wrote and we're going to talk about having a changed perspective, a changed perspective at We're going to talk about looking at life a different way. Looking at life a different way. Now, this is going to be a challenge for those of us that are older, because we like to think that we're set in our ways. Has anybody ever said that before? You know what? I'm set in my ways. Well, that's easy to say. But if we really believe in the power of God and the power of the Holy Spirit to change us and to change our, our thinking, then... There will always be something new for us to understand and something new for us to to see differently. To see God's way, I can assure you, at, at my age and as long as I've been a follower of Christ and as long as I've been in the ministry, I don't see everything the way that God sees everything. I don't. I try, but I still see things through my biases. Right? We all have we all have biases, and and I see. You know, I have certain bias in this area, certain bias in another area. And I see things through those biases. So uh, we're always learning to see things God's way. So this is something for all of us. Now, if anybody understood the importance of looking at life a different way, it was the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was beaten more times than you can imagine. He was often in prison. His life circumstances were a lot harsher than really than any of us. Have ever had, I believe. Uh, he just went through some difficult, difficult times. And yet he never allowed any of what he was going through to consume his mind and to change his perspective about who God was and what God's purpose was for his life. He always found God in the middle of his pain. He saw God there. Right? That's a challenge. It's easy Uh, for us to forget about God in the middle of our pain. God, where are you? Why have you left me? But he found God in the middle of his pain. And not only that, but his problems didn't stop him from being effective as a preacher of the gospel, as a teacher. In fact, we could argue that he was more effective because of the things that he went through, because of his struggles, because he knew the power of having a correct perspective. In fact, before we read from Philemon, I want to take you through uh, some of uh, Paul's other letters that, that will kind of show us what were Paul's thoughts on thoughts. What were Paul's thoughts on thoughts? Well, he wrote to the Corinthians in, in 2 Corinthians 10.5, and he said, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Now, what he's saying, you know, if we have a thought that is not consistent with the Word of God, we are to grab it, instead of allowing that thought to grab us, we are to grab it and we are to conform it to the mind of God, to the mind of Christ. We are to conform it to the Word of God. And we all have thoughts that are that are incorrect, that are inappropriate. Uh, Martin Luther once said, that, said this, you cannot keep birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from building a nest in your hair. So what he was saying is, look, you can't keep the devil from placing uh, thoughts, inappropriate thoughts, but you don't have to dwell on them. You don't have to act on them. And, and, and that starts by taking every thought captive. The way it looks like for me is is if, if I'm you know going down the road and, and I see something that catches my attention and that triggers an, an impure thought, a temptation to look or to allow my mind to go somewhere, what I've learned to do is, is just to rebuke that thought. And I've literally said out loud, devil, you're a liar, I'm you know, I'm a man of God, and by that I don't mean I'm perfect, but I'm saying I'm trying to, i I'm, I'm been changed by God, I'm, my mind has been renewed, I'm a happily married man, I'm a dad of children that I love, and, and I'll just rehearse some of these blessings, and I just turned that around. Uh, back when I was a teenager, we were at a youth camp, and uh, the uh, uh, speaker that day, I remember his name, and don't know anything else about him, but his name was Ed Brewer. I think I'm remembering this correctly. And uh, he, he spoke, uh, he taught us about something that he calls uh, target praying, target praying. And what, what he says, what he said that he would do is that whenever, if, first of all, he would identify a prayer request that he had, uh, maybe praying for one of his children to be saved or, you know, we all have different prayer requests. And so what he said he would do is, whenever he, he faced a temptation, whenever the devil tempted it, tempted him with something, and I think he would identify a specific temptation, that he would he would allow that temptation to trigger instead, a prayer for that other need. So he would say, I, you know, for example, he if I'm tempted to lust, when I'm tempted with that, I would remind myself, well, I would let that trigger oh, I'm going to pray for my son to be saved. And he would just turn it around. And so whatever the devil meant as a temptation became a trigger for him to pray for a specific need in his life. And I remember I was a teenager. I was in high school. I remember trying this and and discovering, you know, that... uh, And I don't know if it worked for me exactly as it worked for him. But I thought, you know, you can take every thought captive. You don't have to let it come and then you dwell on it and then you... You know, you ruminate and then you act on it. it just, that doesn't have to happen. You can turn things around. Uh, to the Romans, Paul wrote in Romans 12, two, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, we've studied this before, and we know that the word transformed literally means metamorphosis. Metamorphosis. We are changed by the way we think, No longer thinking like the world, but like God. And you know what that tells me? And and, and that speaks to me of the power of our thought life. The power of our thoughts. That's the power of our thoughts, of our thought life. Our thought life fundamentally changes us, and it impacts our actions. This is why we have to be disciplined in how we think and where we allow our mind to go. Because that's where fundamental change to our character comes from. Also to the Romans, Paul wrote in Romans 8, 6, The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. Again, we see the impact of a renewed mind and of having the right perspective. I want my mind to be governed by the Spirit because I want life. I want peace. I don't want death. I don't want anxiety. I don't want turmoil. I don't want confusion. I don't want depression. And I'm not, I'm not saying that you know, things like that uh, are easily uh, turned around because it's an attack of the enemy. But by, but by the power of the Holy Spirit and the work of the Spirit on our minds... Our life is impacted. So what I'm talking about here, and this is my my first important point. What I'm talking about here is this. We're going to see a couple of things about what a, a different perspective, what a changed perspective does. First of all, a changed perspective means that we will see the good through the bad. A changed perspective means that we will see the good through the bad. In other words, a changed perspective doesn't mean that you deny that evil exists. It doesn't mean that you deny that evil exists. We don't have to deny that bad exists. There's a lot of pain in this world. There's a lot of evil in this world. But, you know, we, we acknowledge that. But we need to just learn to see the good through the bad. The good through the bad. I said to you you that Onesimus was vulnerable to one of two options for for punishment. The lesser of the two was that he would be beaten within an inch of his life, and and then he could be uh, branded with an F on his forehead for fugitive. But really, the more likely punishment for him would have been execution. And Philemon, his former owner, had every right to carry that out. But once Onesimus met Paul, who then led him to the Lord, and convinced him to go back to his master. Uh, Onesimus went back, but you know what? He he faced a no-win situation. He faced a no-win situation when when he went back, as far as he could understand from his perspective. Philemon also faced a no-win situation because he was a Christian, We'll talk some more about his character in a little bit, but he was a Christian, and if he forgave him as a Christian, if he forgave him that his other slaves might revolt, but then if he killed them, as he had the right to do, then I mean, that wasn't necessarily a win for him, was it? It wouldn't have been a win. So here's, let's get to Philemon, now, verse 15. Philemon 15. This is what Paul says to Philemon, Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. Right? He's very um, dear. He, He said, we read last week, at one time he was useless, but now he's useful. But I want to I point out that word at the beginning, perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever. Now when Paul says perhaps, he's presenting Philemon with an, with an alternate way of thinking. He knew what Philemon was thinking, but he's going to give him another perspective. He's basically saying, look at this, look at it, look at it this way. Perhaps the reason he left, you know, so he begins to present his case. But he's giving him an alternate way, a different way of thinking about the situation. Uh, I'm pretty sure I I would imagine that Philemon hadn't thought about that. He's just thinking about, what do I do with him now? What do I do with him? Do I forgive him? You know, do I have him killed? And so Paul comes along and says, think about it this way. This is similar. uh, When I read this, I thought about when Mordecai spoke to Esther uh, in Esther chapter 4. And when Mordecai, uh, who was Esther's cousin, said to her, Who knows, but that you have come to a royal position for such a time as this. Now, he didn't say you definitely have come to this position for this. He says, who knows, but that you've come to a royal position for such a time as this. Paul says, perhaps. But in both cases, they're presenting an alternate way of looking at things. Letting them know, look, there's, there's more than one way to look at the situation. All right? So he's, you know, Mordecai to Esther saying, maybe, maybe it's that God has ordered your steps and brought you to this moment so that you can be the person to save your people right now. One paraphrase, getting back to Philemon, one paraphrase of Philemon 15 uh, says it this way. Perhaps you could think of it this way, is the way that the paraphrase reads. Perhaps you could think of it this way. He was separated from you for a short time so that you could have him back forever. So welcome him no longer as a slave, but more than that as a dearly loved brother. He is that to me especially and how much more so to you both humanly speaking and in the Lord. But again, look at that. Perhaps you could think of it this way. A changed perspective. And I'm going to say to you, Paul's words, whatever you're going through, whatever situation, whatever bad situation you're going through, whatever difficult situation you're going through, whatever growth opportunity, whatever character building experience. I heard a a teenager once say, to his mom, how much you think I've had enough character-building experiences because their family was going through a, a hard time? And uh, well, yeah, but we, we face this all our lives, right? And when you're going through a character-building experience, through a growth experience, through a difficult time, or through a good time, perhaps you could think of it like this. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, Whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And I believe Paul would say, look, whatever you're going through, maybe you can think of it this way. Think of the true, think of the noble, the right, the pure. Give your mind over to those thoughts. When you take your mind captive, give your mind over to whatever is truth, not to whatever is false and divisive, but whatever is truth, to whatever is noble, whatever is right, and the list is here, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy. Think about these things. And uh, Bible scholars tell us that that word, think on these things, really means dwell on these things. Any thought that is contrary to these characteristics that... Paul lists in Philippians 4.8. Any thought that is contrary to that is to be taken captive and to be turned into the what is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, and so on. Remember that Satan will attack us through our minds. Satan will attack us through our thoughts. He'll tempt us through our thoughts. But remember this, you have a renewed mind if you are in Christ. So tap into that renewed mind. Tap into it. And we'll talk more about that in a minute as we go to the second point. The second thing is this I said, first of all, that a a changed uh, perspective means that we will see the good through the bad, but also a changed perspective means that we will make decisions on the basis of love. On the basis of love. Now, what we know about Philemon is that Philemon was a Christian, he was a godly man, he was a spiritual leader. But how many of you know that even godly men and women who have been following Christ for many years need to experience a changed perspective from time to time? Sometimes a changed perspective for Christians comes when they finally make the connection between their values, their beliefs, and their actions. Because, let's face it, we've, we've, we've gotten to be very good about believing one thing, but then doing something else. And so really, our beliefs are evidenced not by what we say we believe, but by what we do. It's so important that there there be no cognitive dissonance there where where we have a strong belief and yet we're not acting on that. And I mean, that brings stress into our lives and anxiety because we know we're not matching up. And uh, so, maybe that's what happened to Philemon. Because, and I say that because Philemon's uh, life was characterized by love. A love that was so powerful and so contrary to the attitude of many people in those days around him, that it was refreshing to everyone. His love was refreshing to everyone. Look at Philemon 4 and, and 5. We read this, I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers, because I hear about your love for all his holy people and your faith in the Lord Jesus. So it got back to Paul, stories, testimonies uh, about Philemon's love for everyone and his faith. In other words, the way he lived out his faith was through his love. And then in verse seven, look at verse seven, Paul writes further, your love has given has given me great joy and encouragement, because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. You've refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. Wow, isn't that amazing? And don't you love to be around people who are refreshing, and they refresh your heart? This week, I um, unfriended a person on Facebook that I've known for a long time, and not even well for a long time. Oh, I just got so tired. Uh, it's not any of you. Okay? Just those of you, that, those of you that are Facebook friends of mine, it's not you. <clears throat> so um, it he, it just got so tiresome. Instead of refreshing, and he's a Christian, but instead of refreshing his his uh, Facebook posts were just you know it was it was all. You know, uh, just complaining, and it was this conspiracy theory, and it was that, and it was vaccines and masks, and they like, you're a brother Christ, you know why? I mean, okay, you have a right to believe what you want, but uh, you're you're not. What you're posting is not refreshing to anybody, not to me. And I I tried to just you know unfollow him for a while, and then well, I'm gonna you know follow him again, see if he's changed. No, it's even worse. I thought, oh my word. So I said, you know what? We'll, st- we'll remain friends in person, but I just don't need this on my feed. You know, because some people refresh you, and then, what's the opposite of refresh? <laughs> some people do that. Unrefresh. No. <laughs> some people wear you out, and you don't get any, a- any refreshing to your soul, to your spirit. Philemon wasn't that way. Philemon's love, I believe, was pure And his love was refreshing. You have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. Paul said, you've given me great joy. You've encouraged me and you refresh the people around you. So that's good. But look at this. In spite of that, Paul wants him to take that expression of love a step further. Now, I said to you last week that Paul had the apostolic authority to demand that Philemon reconcile with Onesimus. He was the apostle. He had the authority. He could have demanded, I want you to reconcile. You two reconcile. But instead of doing that, he, he, he said, look, I'm appealing to you on the basis of love. Look at Philemon 8, Philemon 8 and 9. Therefore, although in Christ, I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I prefer to appeal to you On the basis of love, it is as none other than Paul, an old man, and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus. So he's saying, I'm doing it not not as the apostle, but I'm doing it as a prisoner and an old man. Now, by the way, Paul was around 60 years old when he said this. And he considered himself an old man. I'm older than he was when he wrote that, so it kind of made me feel bad. But I'm good. I'm all right. Okay, he says... Uh, I'm speaking to you as none other than Paul, an old man, and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus. But back to the, to the basis of love, he, he said, I appeal to you, I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. That love that I've heard about, that God's love that is showing through you, that is refreshing people, that is encouraging me, that's bringing joy to me. That love is what I'm talking about. God's love in you, I'm appealing to you. On that and I'm appealing to you to live out your faith and make your decisions based on that. That is how we should live as Christians. On the basis of love. A changed perspective means that we will make decisions on the basis of love. Not on the basis of judgment. We love to do that. But nowhere are we told that we should make decisions on the basis of judgment. Yeah, we make judgments, but we don't have to make decisions based on those judgments we make. I mean, this is how Philemon was uh, on the basis of love is how he was normally living regularly living out his faith. He was doing that already, but the situation with Onesimus required him to take this a step further. Something that he maybe hadn't even Uh, considered until Paul said, well, perhaps you can look at it this way. Now, that doesn't mean that living out your faith uh, means that you always let people take advantage of you. It doesn't mean that. Or to step all over you. But it does mean that you look at every situation on the basis of love and you make the right decision. Now, we know that sometimes uh, love requires us to, or sometimes love requires discipline, right? Sometimes love requires rebuke. We know that, but that's not the part of love that we struggle with. We're good at that. We're good at the rebuking, the judging. And, and when, when making a decision on the basis of love requires judging or rebuking, we can handle that. It's the other part. What we struggle with is when love requires forgiveness. Especially to somebody who doesn't deserve it. What did Jesus say was the greatest commandment of all? When he was asked, what's the greatest commandment? He, he said, the greatest commandment is, is this, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And the second greatest commandment, he was just summarizing the whole law in these two. The second greatest commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, in the rest of the New Testament, what do you suppose of these two commandments is the one that's repeated the most by Paul and other apostles? Of those two, the one that's repeated the most is love your neighbor as yourself. Does that mean that loving God is not important? No, it is important. But what we struggle with the most is loving our neighbor as ourselves. This is when when Paul quotes Jesus, he doesn't even mention the first commandment. Paul mentions the second commandment on more than one occasion, because this is what we struggle with. But every decision we make, every thought we have, even if it's if even it's going to if it's going to be uh, a thought, you know, that's that's not going to end up in a positive action, it still has to be surrounded, and it has to be on the basis of love. What's best? What does love require of me? When I'm responding to somebody in social media, what does love require of me? When I'm dealing with a situation at work, what does love require of me? When I'm dealing with relationship problems at my job or in my family, what does love require of me? We need to always ask that question. Let me just finish with this. We all need our minds to be renewed constantly. And that means that we need to seek God and His Spirit daily. Because our minds are renewed and we begin to change our perspective about things that we encounter through daily interaction with God's Word. God's Word is not like reading any other book. It it transforms us. It changes us. It changes our perspective. So we need to seek God and the Spirit daily through interaction with God's Word. And I say interaction because it's not one way. It's not you just reading and checking it off. But it's you reading and dwelling and meditating and allowing the Spirit of God to speak to you. So that it's an interaction that goes both ways. And we need to seek God and His Spirit through daily prayer, through daily worship. a time of surrender daily and worshiping God. We have, a, we have great tools. We have great tools through some incredible music that we can listen to. During your, if you want to listen to that during your time of worship, we have great music. Beautiful, beautiful worship songs. You prefer worship songs in Spanish? There's some in Spanish that are that's a beautiful music coming out of Mexico. You know, beautiful worship songs. Whatever language you want. We're blessed. Back when I was a kid growing up, all we had was I Am a Sea. I am a C-H. I am a C-H-R-I-S-T-I-A-N. You know, that's now you have powerful, life-changing worship music. So through prayer, through worship, our minds can be changed. You would be amazed. You would be amazed how my perspective on things have changed over the years. Uh, in, a lot of, in a lot of areas. Now, a lot of that is because Life, you know, life experience. When I was in my 20s, I thought I was a lot smarter than I, than I actually was. right? I know none of you went through that. But life experience, into my 30s even, you know. Um, now I know what I don't know, and, and I know that there's always something to learn. And I want God to renew, continue renewing my mind. So I, I invite you, let's make that our prayer. As we go to the Lord in prayer right now. Would you bow your heads? I want to say, first of all, that if there's somebody who is here today or somebody who is watching online. Maybe you're watching live or you're watching the replay. Maybe you're listening on the podcast later in the week. And you've not surrendered your life to the Lord. This is is where the first uh, perspective change comes. When we turn to God, we surrender our lives to him and we choose to be his followers. It's not just a profession of faith, but it's a transformation of our hearts and minds that God works in us. So if if you're someone who you've never taken that step across that line of faith and said, from this day forward, I choose to follow Christ. From this day forward, I choose to surrender my life to Christ. Do that today and let God come and change you. Let him transform your heart, your mind, and change your life. Do that today. I invite you to, as we pray, you would pray a word of surrender, of repentance. God, forgive my my sins. Forgive me for living as if you didn't exist. And let God change your heart. But also for the rest of us. Let's not get satisfied with where we are. God still wants to change our perspectives because He knows that brings freedom, change that will bring freedom, renewal, joy, peace. And He wants us to live out our faith in love, on the basis of love. Would you stand with me as we pray and then we're going to worship God with a song this morning. Father, we turn to you right now and we thank you for what I believe is a word that you have given us from this letter that Paul wrote to Philemon. Its words continue to resonate in our hearts today, Lord, because we go through much the same things that Philemon went through and was going through. We struggle with many of the same things. Today we surrender to you, Lord. I pray for that person who maybe today for the first time, or maybe it's not the first time, but nevertheless they're coming to you and they're saying, God, forgive my sins. Renew my mind. Save me, Lord. Touch me. Make me a new person. I surrender to you. I pray that you would just surround them and embrace them with, your love and your forgiveness and your joy, your peace, that we'd be aware that they are made new by your Spirit. But we also come to you, Lord, as maybe as lifelong believers or maybe not that long, but nevertheless for many years we've been following you. And we know, we understand, we have the need for a a new perspective that lines up with your perspective. That's what we want to do, Father. Change our hearts. Change our minds. Purify our hearts, God. That is our prayer today.